Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to invite you to open up your Bible today to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to have the scriptures behind me on the screen. My name is Matt Carter. I'm the pastor of preaching here at the Austin Stone. And if you're visiting today, we're, we're continuing through our series. We're actually concluding our series on the Lord's Prayer. We're in the book of Matthew. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer Jesus is specifically in the Lord's Prayer teaching us how we are supposed to pray. These are not just some cool theological thoughts on prayer, but he wants us to apply this and live this out in our prayer life. And we're coming today to the last thing that he encourages us and challenges us to pray, which is this. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that is a, this is a really, really simple message today. There's nothing profound about it whatsoever. I know sometimes when Pastor Holland preaches, he says something just blows your mind. That ain't happening today. This is just really straightforward. It's really simple, but it's one of those things that a lot of us probably aren't doing. And so we need to hear it. And so let's look at this together. Um, Let's jump in. Matthew chapter six, verse 13. Jesus is speaking here. He's concluding the Lord's prayer. And he tells us to pray this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Last thing we're praying in our prayer, and God lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now in the sermon today, I wanna answer three questions. That's what I'm gonna do in our time together. The first question I wanna ask, or answer rather, is what is Jesus telling us to pray? Like, in other words, when he tells us to pray, Lord, lead me or lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, what does that mean? What, what are we asking the Lord? And so that'd be the first question. The second question I wanna answer is this, is why? Why does he want us to pray this? Why does he want us to ask him to lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil? And, and the final thing that we're gonna uh, look at, and the last question I'm gonna answer is, what happens when we pray this prayer and God doesn't answer that prayer? What is he doing? Because when we pray this, if he chooses not to answer it, he's doing something very specific in that moment. And so that's how I'll end today. And so let's, let's jump in today and, and, um, and let's look at the first one. But actually, let me say this. I think the why is critical. That, the second question, why does he tell us to pray this prayer? At least not to, to, to temptation, but delivers from evil. Because um, I sort of realized this week as I was studying for this, that this is a prayer that I don't pray very often in my life. And I would guess that if, if I'm in that situation, then you probably are too. And that's a pretty big deal because what we're gonna see is that this particular prayer is a really necessary component to our personal holiness in our lives. And so I can say it's simple, but it's a really big deal. All right, so let's jump in. Let's begin by looking at kind of this first question I wanna answer. And what is he asking us to pray? Like, what does this mean when he tells us in the first part of this statement Lord, lead us not into temptation. So look at that together. He says, lead us not into temptation. Now, at first glance, you look at that and you're like, okay, why, Jesus, do you want me to ask, God, please don't lead me into temptation? Because at first glance, it sort of looks like that he's saying that God is the one who tempts us to sin, that he's the one that brings temptation into our life and uh, in order to sin, and then we're, we're saying, God, please don't, do that. But I want you to listen to what the writer of James says in James chapter one, verse 13. Don't turn there. I just want you to listen because he addresses very specifically whether God ever tempts us to sin. In James 1, 13, 
he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. And so James is really, really clear that if you're being tempted to sin, God's not the one that's doing that. Okay, and so that begs the question, okay, temptation obviously comes into our life a lot if you're a believer. Temptation comes into sin. Where, what are the sources of temptation in our lives? Okay, well, there's three sources of temptation the Bible talks about. Number one is Satan. Okay, in, uh, in Matthew chapter four, verse one, the scripture says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so we see there in the desert with Jesus that Satan was the one that was tempting him and trying to get him to sin. And then the second is his demons, right? Because Satan can only be in one place at one time. We know that. And so there's all these fallen angels that hears demons that do his bidding. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. So Paul says, we're not just dealing with flesh and blood and the conflict and the temptation and the sin that's going on in our lives, but you're actually going against spiritual forces that are in the heavenly places. And so the second source of when you're tempted is his demons, but then there's a third source of temptation that hits a lot more closer to home. And that's our own flesh. In James 1.14, James says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so, so he's, look, he's showing us that it's not only Satan that's gonna tempt you and try to get you to sin. It's not just his demons, but your own flesh by its very nature is sinful and longs for the things that God doesn't want in your life, okay? And so, Scripture tells us the source of your temptation is not God, it's Satan, his demons, and your own flesh. And so why does Jesus say that we should pray, Lord, lead me or lead us not into temptation? Okay, now everybody tune in here, listen to this. A better way to think about what he's asking you to pray is this. A better way to think about this is what you're actually praying is, Lord, please don't allow me to be tempted in the first place. That's what you're praying. You say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You're saying, God, please don't let me to be even tempted to sin. When you pray that, what you're doing is you're asking God's protection against Satan and his demons and your flesh. You're saying, God, don't even let me walk down or be involved in this road to temptation. Okay, one way to think about this prayer is it's kind of like preventative, uh, preventative medicine. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of ways that you can approach dealing with sickness or illness. And let's take, for example, the flu, okay? The first way that you can approach um, dealing with the flu is that you don't worry about getting the flu at all until you get the flu, right? And then after you get the flu, you, you go to the doctor and you get Tamiflu and hope you get better in a couple of days. And that's my approach, by the way, that's what I do. But the problem with that method is that you have, to, you have to go through getting the flu, which is not much fun. <clears throat> but there's another approach that you can kind of look at in regards to dealing with it, specifically illness and getting the flu is that you try really hard not to get the flu in the first place. 
and that's you, you eat lots of fruits and vegetables, right? You, you exercise, you wash your hands. Maybe you get a flu shot with the hopes that you can keep yourself from ever having to go through that sickness or illness at all. And that is what this prayer is like. That's kind of the point of this prayer. It's a prayer that you pray on the front end of temptation, asking God to protect you and prevent you from having to walk through temptation and sin in the first place, okay? And so let's look at the next thing he tells us to pray. So that's the first thing. You're saying, God, I'm asking you that you would not even let me enter at all into temptation. But then watch what he says next in Matthew 6, 13. He says to pray and lead us not into temptation. But then the second thing he says, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so he says, pray God, don't even let me be tempted. I need you to protect me from temptation and sin. But what I'd want you to do rather God is I want you to deliver me completely altogether away from evil. Now, what does he mean by that? To understand what he's talking about, you gotta understand what he's, uh, you gotta look at the word deliver. What, what are you asking for when you say, God, I want you to deliver me from evil? Well, I was thinking this week about like, what are some things that get delivered? And I was thinking about mail. Mail gets delivered, that still happens, U.S. Postal Service. And uh, the mail cannot deliver itself into a mailbox. I wish it could, that'd be cool, but it can't. And so it takes a mail person to pick up the mail, put it in their hands and hand place it into your mailbox to deliver it, if you will, into your mailbox. And so that's the idea is, is something can't do something on its own. So it has to be delivered to where it needs to be. Now I want you to listen carefully to how God talks about deliverance when he's speaking to Moses and how he's gonna release the Israelites or deliver the Israelites from slavery to Pharaoh. Listen to this, Exodus chapter six, verse six. This is God speaking. He's saying, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And so the, the, God's people, they're enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians and God looks at them and he has compassion on them and he realizes that they have absolutely no ability whatsoever to get themselves out of slavery. And so God says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna put you in my hands and I am going to deliver you out of the hands of Pharaoh. So God sent plagues to Egypt. He basically forced and caused Pharaoh to release them Once he released them, God parted the Red Sea so that they could walk right through that thing. And when they got through it on the other side, he closed the Red Sea, destroying his enemies. And so when God told his people that he was going to deliver them from slavery, his point, church, was that he was gonna do the work. He was gonna do the work. The Israelites couldn't get themselves out. They had to be delivered. And God said, I'm gonna be the one. I'm gonna deliver you. So look one more time at this verse, Matthew six thirteen. Jesus says, here's what you pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so when you pray that prayer, 
When, when you are alone, when you're time of prayer and you pray that, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Here's what you're praying. God, would you protect me and prevent me from walking through temptation and sin in the first place? And second, would you put me in your hands, God, and would you do the work and would you all together deliver me away from evil? Okay, so that's, that's the first question. That's what we're praying. That's what he's telling us to pray. So let's look at the second question. And that's a really important question. And that's why should we pray this prayer? Okay, why, why does Jesus want us to pray this prayer? To be protected from temptation and for God to deliver us from evil. Well, I'm not gonna talk about this much, but the first point is that Jesus is sort of assuming that if you're a believer, you're gonna want to avoid temptation and sin. That's kind of a given, that that's a driving passion in your life, that if you're a child of God, then one of the things that you're gonna desire is that you're not gonna wanna walk into sin. One of the primary evidences of a Christian is not that they never sin, but one of the primary evidences of a Christian is that you don't want to sin. And so, so the, the idea is Jesus is saying, this is just kind of a given, you ought to wanna pray this, but there's something else deeper going on of why we should pray this prayer. Why does Jesus say, hey, I want you to pray this, God prevent me from being tempted and hand deliver me from any evil coming away. And here's the really simple answer, is that you and I do not have the power to overcome evil and temptation by ourselves. Some of you already figured that out the hard way. If it's left up to your flesh, it's left up to my flesh, when the enemy comes after us and he tries to tempt us to sin, if you approach that temptation in your power, in your flesh, you're pretty much gonna fail every single time. Now listen carefully. This is, this is the really simple point of the whole sermon. Here's the simple thesis. What Jesus is saying and what Jesus is teaching us today is that prayer, is that prayer is the key to access the power of God and the deliverance of God against the evil of Satan. It's just that simple, that's it. He's saying that prayer is the key to accessing the power of God to deliver us from the schemes and the temptations of the evil one that are gonna come against us, okay? Now, y'all remember, the, maybe you remember the story of when Jesus sent his disciples out and he said, hey, I want you to go out two by two. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to heal diseases. They're like, sweet, we'll do it. And they go out and they try it and they find in kind of this one demon possessed person and they try everything they know and it doesn't work. They can't, they can't cast the demon out. So they come back to Jesus with their hat in their hand and they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, what's going on? We couldn't do it. Let me read this to you. Mark chapter nine, verse 28. And when he had entered the house, that's Jesus, when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So they asked Jesus, what's going on? We couldn't cast this particular demon out, what's going on? And then watch what Jesus says to him. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so Jesus tells them, look, there is a kind of evil that you're gonna come against. There's a kind of evil that you're gonna encounter in your life that is so powerful that the only way you'll ever overcome it is when you access the power of the one who is more powerful than that demon, and that is Almighty God. And the way that you access the power of Almighty God is when you 
pray. Jesus is saying there is, there's an evil and a power that you're gonna face and the only way you'll defeat it is through prayer. So the reason, guys, that, that so many of you, so many of us, might be getting our tails kicked when it comes to temptation and sin is, is quite possibly because you're trying to defeat those things in your power, not God's. You might be experiencing defeat when it comes to temptation and sin because you're trying to conquer those things with accountability. You're trying to defeat temptation and sin with discipline and safeguards and willpower and pulling up your bootstraps and trying harder next time. And listen, there's nothing wrong with accountability and with discipline and safeguards and willpower. Those are fruits of the spirit. But here's the point I'm making is those things are great, but in our own power and in our flesh, we are not capable of defeating Satan. He is too strong. He's stronger than you, he's smarter than you, he's more clever than you, he's more patient than you, and if you come at the enemy in your power, you're gonna fail almost every time. Y'all remember there's a funny story in the Bible, I've talked about it before. Um, There was this guy, he wasn't one of the disciples, but he had seen Paul cast out a demon, and so he's like, sweet, that looks pretty cool, I wanna try that. And so he comes up to this demon-possessed guy, and he comes to the demon and he says, hey, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I cast you out. And so he'd heard there was this dude named Jesus and Paul preached about and Paul was casting out people in the name of Jesus. He's like, I'm gonna do it. So he says, demon, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I cast you out. And so literally maybe the funniest story in the whole Bible, the demon like looks at him and the demon says, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I've, I've heard of, but who the heck are you? And then strips him naked and beats him up and kicks him out of town. Right, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And, and that, at the end of the day, I don't think we think about evil in that way. Sin and temptation that way. That the sources of it are so powerful that if we sort of approach that in our strength, there's a good chance then we'll get beat up and stripped naked and kicked out of town, right? And so watch though what John says or first, in 1 John 4, 4, watch what it says. In 1 John 4, 4, again, keeping in mind, we don't have the power in our flesh to defeat the enemy, it's too strong. But in 1 John 4, 4, John says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Watch what he says. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so 1 John 4, 4 teaches us that yes, Satan is stronger than you, But if you're a believer here today, there's one that lives inside of you that is stronger than Satan. (laughs) And that's the Lord. And so what what Jesus, this whole point of this thing there at the end of the the prayer is he's teaching us, you pray, Lord, lead me not in temptation, but you deliver me from evil. And what he's doing there is, is he's saying that this gives us access to the power in you that is greater than Satan. And so when you petition God in prayer, God, protect me from temptation, hand deliver me from evil, that gives you access to the power of the one that lives in you who is greater than the enemy. And so the answer to the question of why Jesus asked us to pray this prayer, here's number one, praying lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil gives us access to the power of God. But here's the second reason. 
Praying, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, not only gives us access to the power of God, but it also moves the heart of God. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately, about God is my dad, God is my father. And if you think about it, what is the very first thing that Jesus told us to pray? He's like, when you get in your closet, when you get on your knees and you, and you begin to pray, the first thing Jesus tells us to pray is we address God as our father. That, that he's not just some distant, unknowable God thing in the cosmos, but that he is our heavenly Abba. He is our daddy. That's who he is. And here's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that as God's child, if that's true, that I'm his child and I am, if that's true, that he is my father and he is, I forget sometimes that there is nothing in the world that moves the heart of a parent to action more quickly than when their children are in trouble and they ask that parent for help. There's just nothing that moves the heart of a parent faster than when one of their child is genuinely in trouble and appeals to their parent for help. For example, my wife, Jennifer, if you know my wife, spending time with her, you know, she literally is one of the most, um, she's one of the sweetest individuals. She's one of the most kind individuals that you will ever meet in your whole life. I mean, she, good grief, you gotta be being married to me. And she, she is so kind and so sweet and so tender. And just, I, I realized this early on when we started dating, but her natural, just instant tendency, I don't care who you are, what you do, what you like, her natural tendency is to defend that person. She's just so kind. Like I literally could be talking about Hitler be like talking about how evil he was. And she'd go, well, he was probably abused as a child. You know, I'm joking, don't email me. But I'm trying to make a point here. She's really kind and her natural inclination is to defend anyone unless you mess with her babies. You mess with her babies. And if you come at her children, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long she's known you. I don't care what relationship you have with her. If you come at her children, sweetheart Jen goes out the window and mama bear Jen comes in. Mamas, amen? And when that happens, she has one aim. I don't care what's going on. She has one aim and that is to protect and defend her children. As a father, I'm the same way. Um, I learned this pretty on, early on, rather, in, in my fatherhood. Um, when we first moved to Austin, J.D. was about two years old. We lived in this old apartment, and, and um, I'm going to tell you a funny story about him when he was about two, but since it's Senior Sunday, I thought I would embarrass him and show a picture of when he was two, two years old. Go ahead and show that. So, isn't he sweet? It's back when he used to like me, and... Uh, so he was about he was about that age right there. You can you can turn that off. And I was in the shower, and um, all of a sudden I heard him screaming. And when you become a parent, one of the things you learn to distinguish between the screams of your children. There's like I'm an annoyed scream. There's like I'm a hungry scream. There's a my sister or brother's messing with my toy scream. And then there's I'm about to die a hot death scream. Right, and that. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm in the shower and this is what I hear. I hear, dad, snake. Now let me 
tell you a little bit about snakes for just a second. I, I hate snakes with all my heart. I hate them with all my heart. Like I'm really cool. I don't care what you say. I'm really cool. I'd be cool if every snake died in the whole world. All right. Y'all, I, wanna, I, don't, I don't care if like the, the rodents take over and we all die of bubonic plague. I would rather die of bubonic plague than getting bit by a snake. Anybody with me on that? Like I hate snakes with a passion, right? And so I'm scared to death of them. I hate them. My son, two years old, he starts screaming, snake, snake, dad, help, snake. So I throw open the shower curtain. I jump out of the shower, buck naked, running down the hallway. I'm, I stop and think, I need a weapon. Run into my room, grab a baseball bat, run back. And sure enough, there's JD standing. He'd climbed on top of the table and he's standing on top of the table and speaking to him, screaming, dad, snake, right this now. Snake, his death curdling scream. And I took that bat and I just, just waded into that thing, naked, just bam, bam. And just, sorry, animal lovers, I killed it in the name of Jesus. And I was thinking about it later. I was, I was like, like, how did I do that? That was awesome. And, and I was thinking that literally, there's only one thing in the entire world that could not make me run away from a snake, but make me run toward a snake. And that is the cry of my child for help. That's it. I didn't even have to think about it. Listen to Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. Jesus is speaking. He says, if you then who are evil, speaking about us, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him and so Jesus is saying here that if we as earthly parents have that much love and affection for our kids how much more does our how much more he says does our heavenly father have that kind of heart for us and I want you to watch did you catch what Jesus said is kind of the key of us receiving those gifts He said that God gives those good gifts to those who ask him. Jesus is saying, he's like, look, this prayer, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. It gives us access to the power of God to deliver us and it moves the heart of our father to come and protect us as his children. And if that's true, If that's true, that it is, then here's the thing that hit me. Here here are the implications of this. Here's the implication. The implication that Jesus is showing us here in light of this is here's what this means. It means that there are trials and there are temptations that you're going through that you don't have to go through. That's the implications of the first. There are trials and temptations that you can avoid by simply asking God for it. Jesus, listen, Jesus wouldn't have told us to pray for help and protection avoiding temptation if God wasn't willing to help us avoid temptation. Jesus wouldn't have told us to ask our father that he would deliver us from evil if God, our father, wasn't willing to deliver us from evil. Do you see that? And so, so, This is what this means. It's like, it's 
entirely possible that there's many of us here today that are experiencing trials. We're walking in temptation. We're walking in sin of our life that we don't have to. It's entirely possible that many of us, listen, that many of us are experiencing defeat when it comes to temptation and sin. And it's not because we're bad Christians. It's because we're prayerless Christians. Did you catch that? The implication of this verse is that there's some of us here that are being defeated when it comes to sin. It's not because we're a bad Christian. That's what the enemy tells you. It's because we're a prayerless Christian. And I said earlier in the sermon that I sort of realized that I haven't prayed this prayer nearly enough in my own life. And, and here's the thing I, I sort of thought about is I actually do a lot of praying, not on the front end of sin and temptation, but the other side of temptation and sin. Y'all with me? Temptation comes, I fall into it, I sin, I cross the line. And that's when I start praying, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to fail you again. Okay, and what Jesus is teaching us here is that we've got to take that. We've got to flip that. We've got to pray it on the front end because this prayer last time here, it, it moves the heart of our father and it gives us access to his power to deliver us. And that brings us to a final question. Is you're like, okay, Matt, I hear you. That's what the scripture says. But Matt, I'm, I'm walking through temptation. I'm walking through sin. And I've asked God to deliver me and he isn't doing it. What's going on there? I've seen it in my own life. Um, I've seen it dozens of times over the years. Somebody will come to me and say, Matt, I'm in X, Y, Z sin. I am begging God to deliver me. He is not delivering me. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm not a Christian? What's going on? And, and, and to understand what's going on there, because there are gonna be times when you come to your father, you're in a temptation, you're walking in sin, you come to your dad, you say, dad, I need you to deliver me. And he doesn't do it immediately. He will, will eventually, the scripture says, but he doesn't do it on our timetable. What's going on when that happens? Here's the answer. There's actually an illustration that's really good that sort of sheds light on how and why God does this. And so let me tell you this little story. Um, I have two teenagers that drive, which is really scary and really expensive. And they both have cars and they both park in my driveway at my house. And I don't know what it is, but um, these two kids, they sort of look at my driveway and my front yard as their own personal trash can. And so they'll pull up in their car, they'll open up the door and Starbucks stuff comes falling out and straws and all, you know, wrappers and all this stuff. And they just get up and leave it there. And so I, as a good dad, you know, I, I go up and I come up behind them and I, I pick up their trash all the time because I'm a good dad. And I was thinking about like, what if I decided one day that I was going to quit picking up their trash, that I was, I, I'm not picking up their trash anymore. And I just let there in our yard, in our driveway, compile this big fat pile of trash. And then I was going to make them one day go out there and clean it up. Well, there are one or two ways that I could have them clean it up, okay, and pick up that trash. One is I could rent like a big tractor and give JD or Annie the keys, and they could go in and swoop up all that trash in one fell swoop. It's really easy. All the trash in one fell swoop. 
And here's the thing, all the trash will get picked up, but that would actually be really easy on them at the end of the day. And as a dad, as their father, I can choose to offer them that grace. Rent them a tractor, pick it all up in one fell swoop. It's done, it's picked up. But I could also make them pick up the trash in a different way. I could make them walk out to this massive pile of trash and I am by hand, I could make them pick it up one piece at a time. Now, here's the thing. They'd eventually get all the trash out, but it would take them a whole lot longer. Now, here's the question I wanna ask you. Which one of those scenarios is more likely to, making, to make a lasting impression on their hearts and their minds about the disgusting nature of trash? The, the one time pick it up real fast and it's over or the really kind of slow day by day, piece by piece, pick that thing up one thing at a time, have to smell that thing over and over and over again. Of course, it's the latter. That slower step-by-step, piece by piece is much more likely to produce in them a hatred for that trash that is piling up. That is exactly how God works with us sometimes. When we have the trash of sin in our lives, listen, when we have the trash of sin in our lives, we can ask him to remove it and we should ask him to remove it. And sometimes he does it. He brings the tractor in, one fell swoop. He takes it out of our lives. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And sometimes he doesn't immediately remove our sin, but he allows us to go through this slower, step-by-step, longer process. And the reason he does this as his kids is because he wants to produce in us a hatred and a disgust for our sin that we would not have if he answered the the prayer on the very first day. A friend of mine that told me, this was not very long ago, it's a really good friend of mine, and he told me, he said that when he was young, from the time he was in the eighth grade until the time he was a sophomore in high school, he was addicted to pornography. And he said it was bad. He, he, he said, I, it was an everyday thing. He said, I was enslaved to it. He said, I was in bondage to it. He said, I walked around with this constant sense of guilt, sort of constant shame. Come to church, whole time in the back of my mind, I can't quit thinking about what I'd looked at the day before and the day before. And he kept praying that the Lord would deliver him and, and the Lord didn't for a long time. And then there was just sort of a moment when he was a sophomore in high school that was real similar to the prodigal son. Y'all remember the story of the prodigal son where the guy's gone and just lost his mind sinning and he, he's, he's in a pig pen and he has this moment where he sort of wakes up and he comes to his senses. If you're a child of God, you're in sin, you'll always have that moment. You, you kind of come to your senses like, this is dumb, this is ridiculous, this stinks. He kind of had that moment. He was tired of the bondage. He was tired of the slavery. He was tired of the guilt. He was tired of the distance between him and the Lord. He was tired of all of that stuff that he felt. And the Lord just kind of in a moment just delivered him. And he told me, he said, Matt, here's the deal. He said, I've never, I've never struggled with it since. He said, now, have I been tempted? Yes. But have I fallen into it? No. And he said, here's why. Because every time I'm tempted, I remember the slavery. Every time I'm tempted, I remember the shame. Every time I'm tempted, I remember the fight. Every time I'm tempted, I remember the, the stink of the garbage. And I walk away. 
process is what produced in him a disgust for that sin and that is what has kept him from ever walking through it again. Here's the thing, listen, if that's you today, if you're struggling with some sort of sin in your life and you've been asking God to deliver you but, but he isn't doing it, listen to me really carefully. If you are a child of God, if you're really his and you're praying for him to deliver you from a sin and he isn't doing it, that is not a sign that God has given up on you. He can't do it. You're his child. He cannot ever give up on you. It's impossible for him to give up on you. If you're his child, that, 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 that long kind of time that it's taken for that sin to get out of your life, that is not proof that he's given up on you. It's actually the opposite. That if you're his child and he is not answering his prayer, he hadn't given up on you, all that means is he's still working on you. And then he is going about the process of you looking like Jesus. So when that day comes and he delivers you, and he will one day or another, when he delivers you, it will produce a disgust in you for that sin that you will never, ever want to walk back into. Now, I'll end with this. Is there an area of your life that maybe you need to pray this prayer over? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a reoccurring sin. Maybe it's a really big one. Maybe it's a really small one. Or maybe there's not even any sin yet in your life, but maybe you're, you're standing on the crossroads of temptation and sin. Maybe uh, students, you've been a good kid your whole life and you're sort of looking at the horizon of college and you're thinking, man, there might be a better life for me out there outside of the love of my heavenly father. If that's you and you're here today and you're, you're standing at the crossroads of sin or, and temptation and, or maybe you're walking in sin, re, regardless of where you are, maybe there's not even a temptation and sin in your life, regardless of where you are, whether you're crushing it or wherever you are, or if you're like me where you're not crushing it and you are struggling, I think the real simple thing that we learned today is let's be a people of prayer. Let's ask our heavenly father to protect us from temptation, to deliver us from evil. And even if he doesn't, keep praying, keep fighting, keep trusting the Lord, knowing that when he does eventually deliver you, you're gonna be able to look back and realize that now you look more like Jesus than you did before. And it was all worth it, right? Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord today for the deliverance from slavery and bondage in our lives.